0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Now for the great, grand... I always like the grand finale at the fireworks, don't you? Man, that's so exciting. And we are honored today to have um, uh, Brother Mackey with us. He is a Wisconsin-born evangelist. He's preached in all of our churches throughout the district. He's the number one evangelist at Abundant Life over the years. I think he'll probably be able to tell you how many times he's been here. But we always enjoy Brother Mackey's ministry, so I'm gonna ask you to stand in honor of the man of God. We are blessed to have him today. Let's get behind the word of God and respond, amen? God bless you, Brother Mackey. Appreciate you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Okay. Praise the Lord, everybody. Nice to be in Abundant Life. It's the first time since last November since we've been privileged to be here. And uh, certainly uh, appreciate this wonderful group of people that are here today and uh, for the growth that is uh, happening in Oconomowoc. You know, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Someone asked Rockefeller one time, how much money does it take to satisfy a man? And he said, just a little bit more. So how many souls does it take to satisfy abundant life? Just a few more, amen. So, so don't ever be satisfied, but always be thankful. And if you are a guest or visitor here today, I also welcome you to this service And I pray that the word of the Lord will be easy to understand and meaningful to you. That your relationship with God would be enhanced because you've been in this service today. And uh, hey, everybody, if the Bible says it, I really do believe it. I really do. And uh, so it's my desire to be a blessing to you. Uh, Brother Kylie, this is the 87th time since I've been in this pulpit. But anyway, so anyway, you know, uh, I was thinking about so many things driving here today. Sister Mackie and I are we're, uh, celebrated Thanksgiving with our sister about 88 miles away. So I just kind of got a rental car and drove up here on this beautiful morning. And I saw, all, and it was all back roads, you know, it was Highway 53 to Highway 12 to Highway 67, roads I'd never been on before. And I saw all these cars parked by the road, and they were all hunters. I could see them coming, you know, with their... And, and yet, I was going by all these fields. Now, now, I'm not a hunter, so I don't know if deer hunting season is over or not. But I saw all these... I mean, all these turkeys are in the field, all these deer are in the fields, and all the hunters are in the woods, you know? So... <laughs> So I don't know, just but but anyway. So, but I was driving up here, and I thought the first time I ministered for Brother Kylie was in August of 1981, 32 and a half years ago. Hallelujah! And you can be thankful, folks, because in my in my 40 years as an evangelist, I've seen many men I used to preach for that that don't believe this truth anymore. But you can, but I'm thankful for Brother and Sister Kylie who are still consistent, amen, in the doctrine. Amen, and still believe the Lord. And so, and so I appreciate the friendship of Brother Kylie and Sister Kylie in this church. Uh, 2014, if Jesus tarries, if he doesn't tarry, I would be so thankful for that. Really, you know, really. This world is not my home. But, but in 2014, if Jesus tarries, is going to be a special year for Sister Mackie and myself. Number one, I'm going to be 70 years old. Number two, we're going to have our fiftieth wedding anniversary, and number three, we're going to have our fiftieth anniversary as in the ministry—forty years as an evangelist—and it's just—and and to think I was going to evangelize for one year, and now it, here it is here just forty years later. Uh, we don't have a church to celebrate it with, but we're going to probably throw ourselves a little party, you know, next August. But anyway, but God, is, you know how good God has been to you and to me, really for. For strength amen and and just you know i mean i mean i've lived by faith for so long it's just a way of life but but when i think back you know how how god has always always been there for us always and uh, so it's my desire to be a blessing to you today at the close of this message this altar will be open and and please do yourself a favor and come to an altar Amen. And let the word of God get engrafted into your heart. And uh, you know, let it become a part of your life. So while we stand one more moment, let's turn or open our Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 in our Bibles. Psalm one nineteen and, and verse one. Psalm one nineteen and verse one, it says, "Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord." It's good to hear all the pages roughly today. You know, I'm glad we put the scripture on the board, but you still should bring your Bible to church, okay? And not just your iPhone either, your Bible. All right, all right. Verse one, blessed, blessed are the undefiled in the way. Blessed are those who walk in the law of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? Again, Jesus, thank you for your wonderful presence that is here, for your people, for your word. You know the spiritual condition of every individual that is in this house. And God, now I ask you that you would help us to minister your word, help us to receive it, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this morning. The word blessed in Psalm 119 and verse 1 literally means to be happy. So, another way to read Psalm 119 and verse 1 is happy are the undefiled in the way. Happy are those who walk in the law of the Lord. In fact, one translation says it literally in the Hebrew happy, fortunate to be envied are individuals who are undefiled. Happy, fortunate to be envied are individuals who walk in the law of the Lord. Now, one of the problems we have in the year 2013 is that the world out here has a totally negative concept of Christianity. All they think it is is rules and restrictions, hardback pews and offering plates. You mean you people gotta go to church every Wednesday and every Sunday and sit on those hard pews? You tell me got padded pews in this church. I'm not going to that church because they want money. You go to McDonald's all the time, and they want money. And this is better than a Big Mac. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, this is Warden Kylie. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't go here. You got to go there. And they almost feel sorry for the Christian. Oh, you poor people. Now, if you want to feel sorry for somebody this morning, don't feel sorry for Jonathan Mackey. Feel sorry for the man who woke up with a hangover this morning. Feel sorry for the man who died of an overdose of drugs. Feel sorry for the man who has never been washed in the blood of the lamb. Feel sorry for the man that has no hope of heaven in his soul. Don't feel sorry for me and don't feel sorry for yourself either. Oh, poor me. I'm just a little apostolic and can't do anything anymore. No. Happy, fortunate, to be envied are individuals who walk in the law of the Lord. See, now I can preach longer. Thank you. All right. Folks. Folks. But the term that gets to people is that last phrase in verse 1, the law of the Lord. Aren't you glad we have laws in the United States of America? I'm glad it's against the law for someone to drunk drive down the highway. I'm glad it's against the law for someone to take a gun and shoot me. I'm glad it's against the law for someone to come into your house and steal all your furniture when you're in Sunday morning church. Pick up the newspaper and read it. The bad news are people that break the law. But where would we be if we had no law and order? There would be total danger, chaos, confusion, and fear if there was no law and if there was no order. Now, you can go 90 miles an hour down I-94 if you want. Really, go 95. Go 100. But when the blue lights flash... And the officer pulls you over and hands you this little piece of paper through the window called a ticket. Don't get mad at the officer. Don't say, you gave me a ticket. No, the law said 65 and you went 90. You were asking for it, buddy. Now this book you're holding today, it's not just a pretty book with a leather cover, silken pages, maps in the back, red print where Jesus talked, and the grandkids listed in the front. All right. I pastored a church in in Albany, New York, many years ago. And Albany was 97.3% Catholic. They had a radio station called WBVM, which stood for Blessed Virgin Mary, 24 hours every day, seven days a week. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed are the among women. So a visitor came and visited the church. So two days later, I went to visit her. I knocked on the door. She goes, oh, Father Mackey. (laughs) I am a father, you know, so. And I walked in and she said, oh, brother," she said, Father Mackey, look at my pretty family Bible. She opened up the Bible. She says, look at this, the nice pages, the maps in the back, the cut, the print. And I have all the grandkids listed in the front. And on the same end table was two empty beer cans and, and an ashtray overflowing with cigarette butts. And I thought, this is not a book that you put on the end table to impress people that you're religious. This book you're holding is not the law of Wisconsin. And it's not the law of the United States. It's not the law of the United Nations. But this book you're holding is the law of God. This is God's law. Now keep your finger in Psalm 119 because we're going to turn back there in just a moment. But let's look at John chapter 12 and verse 48. John chapter 12 and verse 48. John 12 and verse 48. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same word, let's all say word, the same word shall judge him in the last day. So someone can come in here and say, I reject Jesus and I reject his word, but it does not release you from accountability to God. You can reject Jesus and you can reject his word, but you still have one that's gonna judge you. And Jesus said, "The word that I have spoken, the word that I, the same word is going to judge you in the last day. For everyone in this building, I want you to know someday." you're going to hear the word of God again. It's not going to be a guest minister in this pulpit. It's not going to be your pastor in this pulpit, but it's going to be God himself that opens up the word of the Lord. And we're going to be judged by what the word of God says. You're not going to be judged by what you think, what you feel, what you believe, what your opinion is, I talk to people all the time as an evangelist. Well, this is what I think, this is what I feel, and this is my opinion. You're not going to be judged by what by what grandma says, by what the Christian book writer says, by what the TV evangelist says, by what Uncle Harry says, or by what grandma... Grandma Esther says. Folks, everybody here, you're not going to be judged by what Joseph Smith says. You're not going to be judged by what Buddha says or by what Mohammed says. But every one of us, we're going to be judged by what the word of God says. So you do yourself a favor to find a church that really believes this book. Because we're going to be judged by what the word of God says. Now let's turn back to Psalm 119, because Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Word of God. 176 verses. And every verse but two makes direct reference to the Word of God. It's called the law of God, the statutes of God, the precepts of God, the judgments of God, the commandments of God. And you can read Psalm 119 and find out what is the right attitude to have to the word of God. Before this book is going to be a blessing and benefit in your life, it's vital that you have the right attitude. Attitudes make the difference in everything in life. You know that? So we're going to talk about right attitudes to the word of God. Some people have a very lazy, indifferent, lackadaisical, I don't care what the word of God says, attitude. But you need to have a positive, willing, eager attitude to what the Word of God says. So let's look at a few scriptures here this morning to talk about right attitudes, proper attitudes to the Word of God. Verse 9 of Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? In other words, how is a young man made clean? It answers the question by taking heed thereto, by paying attention, all right, by by keeping watch, amen, on what the word of God says. I have been privileged to travel in over 70 countries of the world. In Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, every February, Hindus take long needles and pins They will stick one through this side of their cheek and outside this side. Folks, they will put their tongue out and put one crossways in their tongue so their tongue cannot recede into their mouth. They will put these pins on the loose skin under their arms and on the rib cage. They will decorate them with ribbons and flowers and hang weights on these pins. And they crawl up a Hindu temple of a thousand stairs and put their prayers in a clay jar because a Hindu priest told them, this will cleanse you and your prayers will be answered more quickly. When I was at the Vatican in Rome, I saw a man crawling up the couple steps into the Vatican. He crawled down the center aisle, kissed the altar, crawled back down outside, up back down the aisle, kissed the altar back again. His pants legs were tore and his knees were a bloody mess because somehow someone gave him the impression, this will cleanse you. This will cleanse you. So just putting pins in your skin and crawling up a thousand stairs cleanse a person. Just crawling up and down the church steps till your knees bleed, cleanse a person. Just putting money in an offering plate, cleanse a person. Just clapping hands, cleanse a person. It does not cleanse a person. But your cleansing begins when you put yourself under the authority of the Word of God. And you let the Word of God penetrate your heart, your mind, your spirit, your soul, and your attitude. How is a young man made clean? By taking heed to what the word of God says. I was preaching a revival and a woman in the church brought her unsaved husband to one Sunday morning service. He did not come to the altar. He did not come Sunday night. But on Tuesday, this woman called the pastor and was excited and said, man, my husband's a changed man. The pastor said, what do you mean? And she said, he hasn't had a cigarette since Sunday morning. He hasn't cursed since in three days. He's saying please and thank you and opening up the car door for me and everything. He's a gentleman. Now, I don't know if he's gonna stay that way without the Holy Ghost, you know. But do you know what it was? It was the cleansing effect of one message from a word of, of the word of God. So sin, yes, adultery, fornication, lying, jealousy. Yes, do you know what sin is? It's breaking God's law. It's a transgression of the law of God. So individuals come in here that are lawbreakers. They are now confronted with the word of God and they realize they are breaking God's law. So now tears well in their eyes. And folks, it's so good to have some Holy Ghost conviction in every service that we have tears well in their eyes. They say, I, I want to be right with God. And they come to an altar and they repent of sins. They are in that water baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins. They receive the Holy Ghost with the Bible evidence of speaking with other tongues and they are born again. But it all begins with the message from what the word of God says. Amen. How is a young man made clean by taking heed to what the word of God says. But then after we are in the church, the Bible says God cleanses his church and washes it with the washing of water by the word. Every time you're in church, it's your spiritual bath and it's your spiritual shower. Now, when I first started evangelizing, Sister Mackey and I never pulled a travel trailer. You know, we always stayed either in the pastor's home or, Maybe some place in, in the Sunday school annex or something. So when I was in the pastor's home, I took short showers because they were paying the water bill. But when I'm in a hotel, yes. I just turn the water on as strong as it goes, as hot as I can stand it. And I stand under there and I let the shower hit my head, my face, my chest, my back. I mean, when I get out of the shower, the mirror's all steamed up and there's condensation dripping off the ceiling. Don't you like good hot showers? Or don't you like to take a tub and fill it up and soak in a hot tub and get out of there feeling squeaky clean? Don't you like good hot preaching? Don't you like good hot teaching? Preach to me, Brother Kylie. Preach to me, Brother Mackey, because I want to be clean. Do you ever stand under your shower and look at your watch? How long have I been under here now? Folks, you don't do that. It's not good for your watch, number one. But sometimes I'm preaching. People say, how long have we been under here now? You know, boy, it's getting steamy in here now though, right? You know, your attitude needs to be, I'm going to come to church and I'm going to soak up the preaching of the word of God because how is a young man made clean by taking heed to what the word of God says. Some people go to church every Easter and every Christmas. That's not taking two baths a year. Now, I don't know how to say this delicately, but you, it's obvious when somebody needs a bath. They uh, stink. You know what happens when you're haphazard about coming to church? Your attitude begins to stink. Your lifestyle begins to stink. The words that drip off your tongue stink. And know what you need? You just simply need the cleansing effect that can only come through the preaching of the word of God. How is a young man made clean? By taking heed to what the word of God says. I saw a church sign the other day. It said, come to church today. Or no, it said, come to church this Sunday. You may not be alive at Christmas, you know. All right, okay. (laughs) But anyway, all right. If you want to sleep in church, Sleep during the song service, but wake up for the preaching because singing will never cleanse you. It's the word of God that has a cleansing effect on people. Let's clap our hands for that, shall we? Hallelujah! Now let's look at verse 32 and verse 60. I'm talking about attitudes. Attitude number one it's my cleansing. Verse 32, I will run. Let's all say run. I will run the way of thy commandments. When thou shalt enlarge my heart. Verse 60, I made haste and delayed not. I did not hesitate. I did not delay to keep, to obey thy commandments. What a great attitude. Now, as an evangelist, I'm always thankful for every guest and visitor that is in God's house. But have you ever invited anyone out to church? Come on to church. Let God touch you. Come on to church. Let God, come on to church. And it seems like there's a hundred pound weight around each. Like, yeah, maybe I'll get there sometime. And we've been asking them now for seven years. But they run to the casino, run to the dance hall, run to the tavern. The Bible says the feet of the wicked are swift and they run to do evil. But if you want to be right with God today, you should drag your feet to do something evil and you should run, you should make haste and not delay to do what God tells you to do. I wish people would, would make haste and come to altars and repent of sins. Don't delay in getting in this water and being baptized in Jesus' name. Folks, hurry up and receive the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. What's your attitude Some people read the word of God like tax lawyers. They're always looking for loopholes, you know? That is an Old Testament scripture, you know. You know, and Jesus said this and Peter said that, and I just think old Peter made a mistake. You will not ever be right with God looking for loopholes in the word of God. Folks, folks, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna make haste and not delay to do what the word of God tells me to do. Now, let's look at verse 72 of Psalm 119. Attitudes. Number one, it's my cleansing. Number two, I'm going to run to do it. Number three, the law of thy mouth is better, not bitter, better unto me than thousands of gold and thousands of silver. Now, even though I've been coming here for a while, you know, a number of years, I know very few people in this church by name, so I don't know you personally. But maybe some of you have thousands of gold. You have all these gold bars stacked up underneath your bed. And you get up and dust them off every morning and and put them on the scale and weigh them. And it's worth about $1,500 an ounce. Or you have bags of silver tucked up in your closets waiting for the value to go up just a little bit more. If you have thousands of gold and thousands of silver, this book is better than that all these signs, buy gold, buy gold. No, Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Do you know why? Because thousands of gold and thousands of silver will not keep your kids out of prison. Thousands of gold and thousands of silver will not keep your marriage together. Thousands of gold and thousands of silver will not give you peace of mind. But the law of God will keep your kids out of prison. The law of God will keep your marriage together. And the law of God will give you peace of mind. We are living in a day, folks, things have changed so so vitally. I cannot believe the age we are living in. But there was a time, folks, when just sinners got divorced. Do you know why? Because a marriage vow was a marriage vow. You know, it was not a postal union contract. Good for three years. Then we'll renegotiate. Folks, and even when there was divorce, there was some embarrassment with that. And they certainly did not put your cover, uh, your your picture on the cover of uh, People magazine. And now, folks, there's even divorce among Christians, among people of God. Do you know why it is so serious when Christians get divorced? Because we're sending a message to the world. Number one, God can't help us. And number two, we cannot forgive. We cannot. That's why... And and folks, and now divorce is so rampant. And and if there's divorce in this house right now, do you know what? There's water under the bridge that can never be brought back. But for every married couple in this church, for every but he engaged getting ready to be married for all these young people. Listen, instead of a husband and wife going to separate attorneys, they need to come and bow themselves at this altar, open up this book called the Word of God, hang up the Word of God, have a cleansing effect, amen, and a stabilizing effect upon your marriage. God established his church in the book of Acts, but he established the family in the book of Genesis, and the devil knows how much he can harm the church by hurting the family. Yeah. You know, but you don't know you don't understand, Brother Mackey. I mean he just leaves his socks laying right in the middle of the living room floor. Well instead of looking for grounds for divorce. We need to look for grounds for marriage. And you know what God says? I hate divorce. He hates it. So now, you know, it's, it's well, you know, it's just the way it is. But folks, the law of God is better. Better. Now David was a king that said this. He had thousands of gold and silver. And the reason he was a man after God's own heart was because of his attitude toward godly things. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. He would walk into the treasure house and see all the treasure. He'd say, oh Lord, your word is better to me than all my gold and all my silver. I'll never forget preaching in the state of Ohio and and there was a farmer in that church who had the largest farm in the county, acres of ground. I don't know what, how large his dairy herd was. And so on a Sunday morning after church, he had the pastor and his wife, Sister Mac, and me out to their house for Sunday dinner. So his wife is frying up some chicken, some, I mean, delicious fried chicken. So he takes me out in the tractor while dinner's being prepared he takes me out on the tractor he said brother mackey as far as you can see that direction is my land as far as you can see that direction is my land till so those trees back there is my land and till as far as you can see that way is my land but he was so busy planting crops and milking cows he could only get to church one sunday morning or one sunday night a month and it was not too long after that where this man committed adultery and through grace mercy, love, and forgiveness, the marriage was restored. I preached at that same church two years later, and you know what? His wife and he have us out for Sunday dinner again. He takes me out on his tractor again. He said, Brother Mackey, I sold most of that land and most of that land. I sold one-third of my dairy herd, and he sat right in that tractor and said, I'd rather have a little farm and a lot of God than a big farm And none of God. Do you understand? You got to realize what's important in your life. The law of God is better than all my gold and all my silver. I'm talking about the Bible today, everybody. It's my cleansing. I'm going to run to do it. And it's better than gold and silver. How about verse 103 today? Verse 103. How sweet. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, your words are sweeter than honey to my mouth. I remember the first time I preached in the deep south. Now, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. And I want you folks to know that Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, is not the deep south. All All right. The deep south is Wisner, Louisiana. Wisner. Sister Mack and I went to Wisner. All there is is a blinking light. I mean, there's not a Starbucks there or anything. You know, there's just this little town. In fact, the pastor had to put Sister Mack and I in a hotel 15 miles down the road. So I go to church that night, and here's this magnificent sanctuary, and there's over 600 people in this church. They just came out of the woods. And they filled this church. So I'm sitting on the front row, waiting for the service to begin. And one of the brothers of the church comes up and sits next to me and he says, So you're a Yankee, huh? Uh, and I said, I'm from the north, yes. He said, I was up north once. I said, Really, where? He said, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> He said, they knew how to worship God up there too, he said. But anyway, but the pastor had Sister Mackie and myself over to their home for supper. And I sat down at that table and I saw food i had never seen before in my entire life as a Yankee. All right. Here was a big bowl of black-eyed peas. And here's a little platter of jalapeno cornbread. All right. And then here is some... Mustard greens. And here's a platter of corn-fed, farm-raised catfish fillets. And I sat down at that table. He said, Brother Mankey, I'm going to put some south in your mouth, is what he said. And you know what? I will preach south every year for catfish. You just do not know how good it is. But those mustard greens were so bitter... I think I still taste the first ones I ate, all right? Because even the pastor's wife admitted they needed more sugar or something. But folks, in this book called the Bible, there's a lot of T-bone steak and strawberry shortcake in here. I mean, strawberry shortcake with real whipping cream. None of this hypocrite stuff called cool whip, you know. Really? You mean God can find me a job when I'm unemployed? Yes, that's what I want. You mean he can heal my body? Yes, yummy, yummy, yummy. That's what I want. Yes, you mean he can provide me my needs? Yes, hallelujah. Folks, there's a lot of T-bone steak and strawberry shortcake in here. But there's some mustard greens in here. There's some rutabaggers in here. Lima beans made me gag when I was a kid and I think they still do. I don't know. Some lima beans in this book. You know, how to be baptized, how to live, how to dress, how to treat your spouse, how to treat your enemy, how to walk, how to stand, how to sit, salvation, holiness. Eee, I don't want that. We're living in a day where a lot of the world goes, treats this Bible like a salad bar. They'll take, go through and say, yeah, I want that but I don't want that, no. Yeah, I'll take some of that, but I don't want any of that. Not one person in this church has the right to go through this book and take the parts you like and keep it and ignore the parts that you don't want. The Bible is either absolute or it's obsolete. It's all the Bible or it's none of the Bible. But how sweet are thy words unto my taste. Because you can taste preaching, can you not? You can taste it. You ought to see the way people look at me sometimes when I preach. They fold their arms, drink up there. I don't like that Brother Mackey. Who does he think he is? And I'm a nice evangelist. I smile. I mean, I don't yell at the sound man or anything. If they don't bring me water, I don't say a word. I just preach with a dry mouth, you know. I'm nice. So if a man is preaching the word of God and you don't like it, there's nothing wrong with this book. Your taste buds are warped a little bit. In fact, your, your word is sweeter than honey to my mouth. I like English muffins toasted dark with real butter and a quarter inch of honey on top. And you bite into that and the honey curls down the corners of your mouth. You're not supposed to lick your fingers, but it's kind of legal when it's honey. You know? And, it seemed, and to think that the word of God is sweeter than honey to my mouth. Boy, isn't this good today? Yes, give us some more, Brother Mackey. Okay, I will. All right? Folks, I'm talking about the Bible now. Amen, it's my cleansing. I'm gonna run to do it. It's better than gold and sweeter than honey. I'm talking about this book that you are holding. Now let's look at verse 128. Verse 128. It says, therefore... In, in, in other words, as a result of everything I've read before. There. Therefore, I esteem, I highly, I highly regard, I greatly respect all thy precepts. Let's all say all, all, all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. The word of God is right. It's right. It's right. It's right. It's right. It's right. I've seen people get mad at the Bible. I've had people argue with their veins sticking out in their neck. I've seen them slam it shut, stomp out the door, slam the door, and squeal the tires on the pavement. But when you come back and pick it up and read it, it hasn't changed. It still says the same thing. So I've determined that it's cheaper to obey the Bible than buy new tires, you know. Something needs to happen in every heart that comes into God's house that they elevate this book in their heart, mind, spirit. And they say, I esteem the Word of God to be right. Sometimes, you know, we have trouble getting people saved in 2013 because there's no sinners anymore. I mean, really, has anybody seen a sinner lately? I mean, in 2013, alcoholism isn't sin, it's a sickness. You know, murder isn't sin. It's insanity. You know, when the little boy was five years old, his mother wouldn't let him push his oatmeal off the table. So now he's conflicted and, you know, and he just needs to shoot somebody. Pornography isn't sin. It's art and expression. You know, abortion isn't sin. It's choice. Homosexuality isn't sin. It's an alternate lifestyle. I mean, has anybody seen a sinner lately? Do you know why the world has lost their true concept of sin? Because very few people out there in the government, in churches, you know, just in the business world, the average family does not esteem the word of God to be right. Right? I want you to know your body is not the temple of alcohol, drugs, or tobacco, or lust. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God wants to fill your heart and dwell in you. Your body. God wants to get the glory out of your body. And you know what? I don't care what the president says. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what the Hollywood movie star says. It's an abomination for a man to lie with a man and a woman with a woman. And you know what? God loves the alcoholic, God loves the drug addict, God loves the prostitute, and God loves the homosexual. But I tell you, folks, homosexuality is a sin. And someday every one of those Supreme Court justices are going to stand before God. Do you understand? Our president is going to stand before God. And we're living in a day where people want to just, I mean, folks, this, uh, this is a book of higher criticism. It doesn't work today. It doesn't fit today. And when 133 religious leaders met in Jerusalem last March to take, to take some of the Quran, amen, and some of the word of God and put it together and have a book that pleases the Muslims and the Christians, and they call it Chrislam, Listen, we're living in a dangerous age. The, everyone in this building needs to determine, I esteem the word of God to be right. Amen. It's right. Hallelujah. And the soil of America and of this world, amen, the, cries out with the blood of innocent fetuses that have been snatched and aborted and vacuumed from the womb. Amen. And this, and this abortion doctor in Philadelphia, where if the baby was born alive, you'd just take a scissors and cut the spinal cord in half. Amen. And they walk into there. Folks, and it's so filthy and dirty. Amen. And they found feet and hands. Amen. Laying everywhere. Amen. And, and to think that we actually have a government that says this is all right. I want you to know, folks, abortion is as Surely as I'm standing in this pulpit. Amen. I, but see, nobody wants to hear this anymore. Amen. But I pray that God would still bless us. America. Amen. When, folks, when the founders believed so much in the word of God. Folks, listen, when I was in grade school and when I was in high school, there was only one young woman, amen, that had to leave school because she had she had a, a baby in her womb. Folks, and you know what? The word abortion was never used. Folks, we did not have metal detectors at the doors. Folks, They we said the Lord's prayer every morning. Amen. And they read the scripture every morning. Amen. I know there was an honor and a reverence, amen, for God and for His word, but uh, folks, uh, folks, we are losing it. But God help His true church and His true people to say, "Yes, this is the word of my God, and I esteem the word of God to be right. It's right." They're already putting preachers in Canada in jail because they can't even mention homosexuality. Amen. From their pulpit. And folks, that's going to happen in America one of these days. And and, and I don't know how many of you get the Citizen magazine put out by by James Dobson. Everything that's happening in the political world. Amen. And the homosexual agenda. You know, and this one, and they just quoted this one homosexual by saying, and and they said, are you happy now? You're going to, your marriages are going to be recognized. They said, that's not what we want. We want the church to recognize us. So, folks, one of these days, that's going to be an attack on the apostolic church, whether or not we will marry two women or two men. You know, and, and coming through Chicago, I saw this big billboard marriage for all. Do you know where this is going to end? One of these days, there might be two men and one woman that want to get married, three men and two women. I mean, where is it going to end? Do you, I want you to know God put one man for one woman, but the world doesn't want to hear this anymore. Amen. But, folks, and the wheels of God's judgment. Grind so slowly. I mean, Noah preached 120 years. Amen. Before God closed the door of the ark, I don't know how long God is going to wait. One reason I believe He has not come, because He's still not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I want you to know as long as Jesus doesn't come, Amen, and this church doors are open and this altar is open, that still grace that is extended to every man, every woman, and every young person that is in this church. I esteem the word of God to be right. It's right. I remember preaching a revival and I was at the pastor's home. And, uh, and he and his wife were gone. And, and so I'm home and there's a knock on the door. And I open the door and there's two very sincere Mormon boys standing there with a badge on their lapel and the Book of Mormon under their arm. And I answered the door and they said, yes. And they said, we're here to talk about God. I said, I love to talk about God. (laughs) Come on in. So I went up to my bedroom and I got this book. This one right here, okay. And I remember we sat down in the living room and I turned to the book of Acts and kept them there. I would not let us leave the book of Acts because that's how the apostles acted it's not how the 700 Club acted. It's not how Benny Hinn acted. It's, it's how the first church acted. Repentance, baptism in Jesus, speaking in tongues. So finally, after about 20 minutes, this Mormon boy stood up and he said, all right, it's my turn to talk. I said, all right, go ahead. And he gave me the whole history of Mormonism. How Joseph Smith was plowing in his field in Elmira, New York. His plow hit something hard. He dug down there and he found some golden plates. But he couldn't read them. So this angel came and gave him a special pair of glasses. And he wrote the Book of Mormon. No one else ever saw these golden plates. Not his mom or dad, his brother or sister. That's why in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every matter be established. All right? So he gave me the whole history of that. He said, now, what do you think of that? I said, you know what? I said, I'm a nice man. I don't want to sound rude or crude, but it sounds like a fairy tale to me. I said, do you fellows remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? They said, oh, no, we esteem every day as a day unto the Lord. I said, yeah, but Ellen G. White saw a vision of the Ten Commandments and saw a gold ringer on the fourth one. And I said, Ellen G. White was one of the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I said, my wife was raised in the 7th Adventist church. I would go to church with her on Saturday so she could come to church with me on Sunday. And on the pulpit, they had the Word of God here and the writings of Ellen G. White here. And they made more reference to Ellen G. White than to what the Word of God says. I get the 7th Adventist ministers magazine called Ministry. And it is a wonderful magazine. But do you know what? There are many. They constantly say Ellen G. White said this. Ellen G. White said this. And they have more Ellen G. White references than the Word of God references. And they said, well, we're not going to take the writings of, of, of Ellen G. White. I said, you fellas believe, you know, you are sick, but you're really not. It's in your mind. You're throwing up, but really not. It's in your mind. You're, you know, salvation is in the mind. They said, that's stupid. I said, I said, not to the Christian science. I said, Mary Baker Eddy broke her foot. She's, she's laying in a bed in Boston, Massachusetts. And she said, Jesus came and stood at the foot of her bed and gave her this revelation, and she wrote all the principles of the Christian science religion. And they said, well, we're not going to take the writings of of Mary Baker Eddy either. So I said, you mean you're not going to take the writings of Mary Baker Eddy, and you're not going to take the writings of Ellen G. White, but you want me to take the writings of Joseph Smith. Now, this book has many writers but it only has one author. God is the author of this book. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And everyone in this building, repentance is right. Water baptism by immersion in Jesus' name is right. Speaking with tongues is right. Godly conduct is right. Right. No one was ever baptized in titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But the one name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So so when Peter stood up and preached, when they said, what shall we do? When Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What's your attitude toward that? I hope it's better than gold and silver. I hope it's sweeter than honey to you. I I wish you would esteem it to be right. If you're here today, I'm not here to take away from anyone's religious background or experience. But if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to get in this water and get baptized in Jesus' name. If you've never spoken with other tongues, there's more for you to receive from God. The word of God. Now, one more scripture. Psalm verse 162. Verse 162. It says, I rejoice at thy word. I rejoice as one that findeth great spoil. Now this is the spoils of war, not the garbage, where they would go in and take the gold, the silver, the vessels, the oil paintings. I rejoice as one that finds great spoil. When my father pastored in Duluth, Minnesota, he went to preach for a minister friend of his in a little farm town in Iowa. So my dad gets in there on a Wednesday night, on a Wednesday to start preaching Wednesday through Sunday. And this man's telling my dad, after church, how about a couple months before that, he was knocking doors in this little town. And he knocked on this door, and this frail little grandma answered the door. And he says, are you all right? She said, well, I haven't, she said, I just need some food So he went, this pastor went out and got some eggs and some bread and some milk and some orange juice. And when he walked into the house, he could not believe it because there was this little trails, little paths through this woman's house and it was just stacked with junk and cans and jars and magazines and newspapers higher than he was. And she had 27 cats, cats running everywhere. So after that, and he said, are you married? No, do you have any kids? No, do you have any relatives? No, they're all dead and gone. I'm the only one. He says, wow. So then after that, twice a week, he would start bringing this woman food and making sure she was all right. So now he knocked on the door after about a month and a half and no one answered, no one answered. So we walked in and this woman had died of natural causes. So this whole, everyone knew in this whole county that this apostolic preacher looked after this woman no relatives. So the court said, you know what? You're in charge of her estate. All right. So you got to clean out this house, you know? So the first thing he did was give away 27 cats and put fans in the windows. All right. Because the aroma was pretty strong in there. So that's all he had done to that point. And now my dad is there. And the pastor said, you know what? He said, Brother Mackey, this house is just filled with junk and papers and bottles everywhere. And he said, I got to clean up the whole house. You know, and my dad said, man, I would like to see that. The pastor said, do you want to go over there right now? My dad said, yeah, so they gobbled down their sandwich and coffee and went over to the house. They got there about 10, 10 o'clock, you know, and they were turning on, the pastor went around turning on all the lights. And my dad said it was just like he said, just little paths and trails through the living room and dining room and kitchen and bottles and cans and junk and newspapers stacked higher than him. So my dad just went over to these newspapers and picked it up and opened it up and in between the pages was $10 and $20 bills. My dad goes, hey! (sighs) They went into the linen closet and unrolled the towels. There was money rolled up in the towels. They picked up the linoleum. There were $50 bills under the linoleum. I mean, there was money everywhere! And my dad said I was there till 3 o'clock in the morning and wasn't even sleepy. (laughs) 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 <laughs> they found over $37,000 in that house. Did you ever read this book and see something? Wow, yeah, that's a $50 bill right there. Yeah, yes, that's a $1,000 bill. Yeah, I don't know if God, our government makes them, but God makes them, you know? Yeah, ooh, there's a five. Five. But I like it, you know. When you don't have any money, $5 is a lot of money, you know. I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. I think, I think verse 48 says, My hands also do I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. You know, I don't know how good those Packers are doing this year, but, you know but a man takes a hand off and goes around the right side and goes against the grain, goes 35 yards for a touchdown. There's about 60,000 people going, people can raise their hands for a lot of reasons, but I think we should stand today and raise our hands in honor of the word of God. Come on, let's raise our hands, shall we? Amen. Do you love these commandments? Oh, God, we raise our hands today, not because it's Pentecostal tradition, but, God, we raise our hands unto your word, which we love, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and we'll continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.